0: Part Two of Citadel of Lost Ships by Lee Douglas Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two Campbell got up. He was sweating and as edgy as a tomcat on the prowl. With great care, he buckled his heavy gun around his narrow hips. Then he went into the airlock. He checked grapples and flanges with inordinate thoroughness. The hatch-wheel jutted inside. He picked up a spanner and turned it, not touching the frigid metal. There was a crude barrel-lock beyond. Campbell ran his tongue once over dry lips, shrugged, and climbed in. He got through into a space that was black as the coal-sack. The air was thin and bitingly cold. Campbell shivered in his silk shirt. He laid his hand on his gun-butt and took two cautious steps away from the bulge of the lock, wishing to hell he were someplace else. Cold green light exploded out of nowhere behind him. He half-turned, his gun blurring into his palm, but he had no chance to fire it. Something whipped down across the nerve center in the side of his neck. His body simply faded out of existence. He fell on his face and lay there, struggling with all his might to move, and achieving only a faint twitching of the muscles. He knew vaguely that someone rolled him over. He blinked up into the green light, and heard a man's deep, soft voice say from the darkness behind it, "'What made you think you could get away with it?' Campbell tried three times before he could speak. With what?" Spying? Does Treydick think we're children? I wouldn't know. It was easier to speak this time. His body was beginning to fade in again like something on a television screen. He tried to close his hand. It didn't work very well, but it didn't matter, his gun was gone. Something moved across the light. A man's body. A huge, supple, muscular thing the color of dark bronze. It knelt with a terrible tigerish ease beside Campbell, the bosses on its leather kilt making a clinking noise. There was a jeweled garget of reddish metal around the base of its throat. The stones had a wicked glitter." The deep, soft voice said, "'Who are you?' Campbell tried to force the returning life faster through his body. The man's face was in shadow. Campbell looked up with sultry, furious eyes, and achieved a definite motion toward getting up. The kneeling giant put out his right arm. The green light burned on it. Campbell's eyes followed it down toward his throat. His face became a harsh, irregular mask cut from dark wood. The arm was heavily, beautifully muscled but where the hand should have been there was a leather harness and a hook of polished Martian bronze. Campbell knew what had struck him. The thin, hard curve of that hook, more potent than the edge of any hand. The point pricked his throat just over the pulse on the left side. The man said softly, "'Lie still, little man, and answer.' Campbell lay still. There was nothing else he could do, he said. "'I'm Thomas Black, if that helps. Who are you?' "'What did Trey tell you to do?' "'To get the hell out. What gives with you?' If that Taxel was spreading the word about him, he'd better hurry. Campbell decided to take a chance. The guy with the hook didn't seem to love Trey "'The black boy in the radio room told me to come aboard and wait.' Seems he's at Tradic too. So am I. That makes us all pals, doesn't it?" "'You lie, little man.' The deep voice was quietly certain. "'You were sent to spy. Answer.' The point of the hook put the exclamation point on that word. Campbell winced away. He wished the log wouldn't call him Little Man. He wouldn't remember ever having felt more hopelessly scared. He said, "'Damn your eyes. I'm not lying. Check with the taxel. He'll tell you.' And betray him to Tredick. "'You're clumsy, little man.' The hook bit deeper. Campbell's neck began to bleed. He felt all right otherwise. He wondered whether he'd have a chance of kicking the man in the stomach before his throat was torn out. He tried to draw further away, but the pipe wall wouldn't give. A woman's voice spoke then, quite suddenly, from beyond the green light. Campbell jumped. He hadn't even thought about anyone else being there. Now it was obvious that someone was holding the light. The voice said, Wait, Mara. Zord is calling me now. It was a clear, low voice. It had music in it. Campbell would have loved it if it had croaked but as it was it made his nerves prick with sheer ecstasy. The hook lifted out of the hold it had made, but it didn't go away. Campbell raised his head a little. The lower edge of the green light spilled across a pair of sandaled feet. The bare white legs above them were as beautiful as the voice, in the same strong, clear way. There was a long silence. Mara, the man with the hook, turned his face partly into the light. It was oblong and scarred and hard as beaten bronze. The eyes in it were smoky ember, set a slant under a tumbled crest of tawny hair. After a long time the woman spoke again. Her voice was different this time. It was angry, and the anger made it sing and throb like the Kralin's drum. The Earthman is telling the truth, Mara. Zard sent him. He's here about the Kralins." The big man, a Martian drylander, Campbell thought, from somewhere around Kesh, got up fast. The Kralins! He asked for help, and Tradick sent him away. The light moved closer. But that's not all, Mara. Tradick has found out about—us. Old Ekla talked they're waiting for us at the ship.' Mara turned. His eyes had a greenish, feral glint, like those of a lion on the kill. He said, "'I'm sorry, little man.' Campbell was on his feet now, and reasonably steady. "'Think nothing of it,' he said dourly. A natural mistake. He looked at the hook and mopped the blood from his neck and felt sick. He added, "'The name's Black, Thomas Black.' It wouldn't be Campbell? asked the woman's voice. Roy Campbell? He squinted into the light, not saying anything. The woman said, You are Roy Campbell. The space guard was here not long ago, hunting for you. They left your picture. He shrugged. All right, I'm Roy Campbell. That, said Mara softly, helps a lot. He could have meant it anyway. His hook made a small, savage flash in the green light. "'There's trouble here on Romany. Civil war. Men are going to be killed before it's over. Perhaps now. Where's your place in it?' "'How do I know? The Coalition is moving in on the Kralins. I owe them something. So I came here for help.' "'Help, yeah.' "'You'll get it,' said the woman, You'll get it, somehow, if any of us live." Campbell raised his dark brows. What goes on here, anyhow? The woman's low voice sang and throbbed against the pipe walls. A long time ago there were a few ships, old ships, crowded with people who had no homes, little drifting people who made a living selling their odd handicrafts in the spaceports, who were cursed as a menace to navigation and distrusted as thieves. Perhaps they were thieves. They were also cold and hungry and resentful. After a while the ships began to band together. It was easier that way. They could share food and fuel and talk and exchange ideas. Space wasn't so lonely. More and more ships drifted in. Pretty soon there were a lot of them. A new world, almost. They called it Romany, after the wandering people of Earth, because they were gypsies too, in their own way. They clung to their own ways of life. They traded with the noisy, tramping people on the planet they had been driven away from because they had to. But they hated them, and were hated, just as gypsies always are. It wasn't an easy life, but they were free in it. They could stand anything, as long as they were free, and always, anywhere in the solar system, wherever some little lost tribe was being swallowed up and needed help, ships from Romany went to help them. Her voice dropped. Campbell thought again of the Kralin's drum, singing its anger in the indigo night. That was the creed of Romany, she whispered, always to help always to be a refuge for the little people who couldn't adjust themselves to progress, who only wanted to die in dignity and peace. And now—and now, said Mara summerly, there is civil war. Campbell drew a long, unsteady breath. The woman's voice throbbed in him, and his throat was tight. He said, "'Tradick?' Mara nodded. "'Tradick.' But it's more than that. If it were only Tradick it wouldn't be so bad. He ran the curve of his hook over his scarred chin, and his eyes burned like candle-flames. Romany is growing old and soft. That's the real trouble. Decay. Otherwise Tradick would have been kicked into space long ago. There are old men in the council, Campbell. They think more of comfort than they do of, well, Yeah, I know. What's Treydick's angle? I don't know. He's a strange man. You can't get a grip on him. Sometimes I think he's working for the Coalition. Campbell scowled. Could be. You gypsies have a lot of wild talents and some unique skills. I've met some of them. The man that controlled them would be sitting pretty. The Coalition would like it, too. The woman said bitterly, and they could always exhibit us, tours, at so much ahead, so quaint, a cross-section of a lost world. "'Tradic's the strong man,' Morrow went on. "'Iran Mach is chief counsellor. But he does as Tradic tells him. The idea is that if Romany settles down and stops getting into trouble with the planetary coalitions, we can have regular orbits, regular trade, and so on.' "'In other words,' said Campbell dryly, "'stop being Romany.' "'You understand. "'A pet freak, a tourist attraction, "'a fat source of revenue. "'Again the savage flash of the hook. "'A damned circus. "'And Tredic, I take it, "'has decided that you're endangering the future of Romany "'by rebellion and put the finger on you?' "'Exactly.' Mara's yellow eyes were bright and hard, meeting Campbell's. Campbell thought about the Fitz Southern outside, and all the lonely reaches of space where he could go. There were lots of coalition ships to rob, a few plague spots left to spend the loot in. All he had to do was walk out. But there was a woman's voice, with a note in it like a singing angry drum. There was an old man's voice murmuring, "'Little people like you, my son?' It was funny how a guy could be alone and not know he minded it, and then suddenly walk in on perfect strangers and not be alone any more, alone inside, that is, and know that he had minded it like hell. It had been that way with the Kralins. It was that way now.' Campbell shrugged. "'I'll stick around.' He added irritably. Sister, will you for Pete's sake get that light out of my eyes? She moved it, shining it down. The name's Moore, Stella Moore. He grinned. Sorry, so you do have a face after all. It wasn't beautiful. It was pale and heart-shaped, framed in a mass of unruly red-gold hair. There were long gray eyes under dark gold brows that had never been plucked, and a red sullen mouth. Her teeth were white and uneven when she smiled. He liked them. The red of her sullen lips was their own. She wore a short tunic the color of tokay grapes, and the body under it was long and clean-cut. Her arms and throat had the whiteness of pearl. Mara said quietly, Contact Zard, Tell him to throw the P.A. system wide open and say we're taking the ship now to get the Kralins. Stella stood absolutely still. Her gray eyes took on an eerie remote look, and Campbell shivered slightly. He'd seen telepathy often enough in the system's backwaters, but it never seemed normal. Presently she said, it's done, and became human again. The green light went out power," she explained. Besides, we don't need it. Give me your hand, Mr. Campbell. He did, with absolutely no aversion. My friends, he said, generally call me Roy. She laughed, and they started off moving with quick sureness in the black icy darkness. The ship, it seemed, was up on the second level, on the edge of the living quarters. Down here was all the machinery that kept Romany alive, heat, light, water, air and cooling systems, and a lot of storage hulks. The third tier was a vast hydroponic farm, growing the grain and fruit and vegetables that fed the Romany thousands. Stumbling through pipes and dismantled hulks that smelled of sacking and dried vegetables and oil, Campbell filled in the gaps. The leaders of the rebel element had held a meeting down here in secret. Mara and the girl had been coming from it when Campbell blundered into them. The decision had been to rescue the Kralins no matter what happened. They'd known about the Kralins long before Campbell had. Gypsies, trading in lahi had brought word. Now the Kralins were a symbol over which two points of view were clashing in deadly earnest. Remembering Tradick's thin, harsh face. Campbell wondered uneasily how many of them would live to take that ship away. He became aware, gradually, of a broken, rhythmic tap and clank transmitted along the metal walls. "'Hammers,' said Stella softly. "'Hammers and riveters and welders, fighting rust and age to keep Romany alive. There's no scrap of this world that wasn't discarded as junk and reclaimed by us.' Her voice dropped including the people." Campbell said, "'They're scrapping some beautiful things these days.' She knew what he meant. She even laughed a little. <laughs> "'I was born on Romany. There are a lot of earth people who have no place at home.' "'I know. Campbell remembered his father's farm, with blue-cold water over the fields instead of sky. And Tradic He was born here, too.' but the taint is in him." She caught her breath in a sudden, sharp cry. "'Mara! Mara! It's Zard!' They stopped. A pulse began to beat under Campbell's jaw. Stella whispered. "'He's gone. I felt him call, and now he's gone. He was trying to warn us.' "'Mara,' said grimly, Tradex got him, then. Probably knocked him out while he was trying to escape from the radio room.' He was frightened, said Stella quietly. Tradyk has done something. He wanted to warn us. Mara grunted. Have your gun ready, Campbell. We go up now. They went up a wooden ladder. It was suddenly getting hot. Campbell guessed that Romany was in the sun again. The Martian opened a door at the top very, very slowly. A young, vibrant voice sang out. All clear. They piled out of the doorway. Four or five husky young paniki barbarians from Venus stood grinning beside two bound and slumbering earthmen. Campbell stared past them. The air was still and hot, hung with veils of steamy mist. There was mossy earth dotted with warm pools." There were Leha trees sultry green under a pearly light that was still brightening out of indigo gloom. A slow, hot breath of wind stirred the mist and the Leha trees It smelt of warm, still water and growing things, and freedom. Campbell drew a long breath. His eyes stung and the veins in his neck hurt. He knew it was a dead hulk with an iron sky above pearl-gray mist, but it smelt of freedom. He said, What are we waiting for? Mara laughed, and the young Venusian laughed. Barbarians going to fight and laughing about it. Stella's gray eyes held a sultry flame, and her lips were blood-orange and trembling. Campbell kissed them. He laughed too softly, and said, "'Okay, Gypsy, let's go.' They went through the seven hulks of the Venusian quarter. Because of the Kralins most of the Venusians were with the rebels, but even so there were angry voices raised, and fists, and a few weapons, and some blood got spilled. More tow-headed young men joined them, and squat little upland nomads who could talk to animals— and three four-armed serpentine crawlers from the Lohari swamps. They came presently to a huge dismantled Hoyt freighter on the edge of the Venusian quarter. There were piles of goods waiting lading through the row of airlocks into smaller trading ships. Mara stopped, his gorget shooting wicked jeweled sparks in the sunlight that seared in through half-shuttered ports, and the others flowed in behind him they were on a narrow gallery about halfway up the inner wall campbell looked down there were people on the ladders and the two balcony levels below a sullen ugly mob of people from earth from venus from mars and mercury and the moons of jupiter and saturn men and near-men and sheer monstrosities silent and watching in the hot light here a crest of scarlet antenna burning There the sinuous flash of a scaled back, and beyond that the slow ominous weaving of light black tentacles. A creature like a huge blue spider with a child's face let out a shrill unearthly scream. Traitor! Traitor! The whole packed mass on the ladders and the galleries stirred like a weird tapestry caught in a gust of wind. The rushing whisper of their movement, their breathing, and their anger sang across Campbell's nerves in points of fire. Anger. Anger in the Kralin's drum and Stella's voice and Mara's yellow eyes. Anger like the sunlight, hot and primal. The anger of little men flogged into greatness. A voice spoke from across the deck below, cold, clear, without the faintest tremor. We want no trouble. Return to your quarters quietly." The Kralins! The name came thundering out of all those angry throats, beating down against the gaunt-erect figure, standing in the forefront of a circle of earthmen guarding the locks with ready guns. Tradix's thin, red head never stirred from its poised erectness. The Kralins are out of your hands now. They harbored a dangerous criminal, and they are now being imprisoned in Lahi to answer for it." Roy Campbell gripped the iron railing in front of him. It seemed to him that he could see, across all that space, the cold, bright flame of satisfaction in Tradeck's eyes. The thin, calm voice slid across his eardrums with the cruel impersonality of a surgeon's knife. The criminal, Roy Campbell, is now on Romany. The Space Guard is on its way here now. For the sake of the safety of your families, for the future of Romany, I advise no one to hide him or help him escape." Campbell stood still, not moving or speaking, his hard, dark face lined and dead like old wood. From a great distance, He heard Mara's smothered, furious curse, the quick catch of Stella's breath, the sullen breathing and stirring of the mob that was no longer sure what it wanted to do. But all he could see was the pale, kind face of an old man smiling in the warm blue night, and the dirty, sordid stones of Lahi. A voice spoke from behind the circle of armed men. Campbell heard it with some part of his brain. An old voice, dry and rustling, possessed of great dignity and great pain. "'My children,' it said, "'have patience, have faith that we, your leaders, have the good of Romany at heart.' Campbell looked with dead, dark eyes at the speaker standing beside Tradic. "'A small man in a robe of white fur.' A Martian from one of the polar cities, frail, black-eyed, grave and gently strong. "'Remember the cold, the hunger, the uncertainty we have endured. We have a chance now for security and peace. Let there be no trouble, now or when the space-guard comes. Return to your quarters quietly. "'Trouble!' Mara's voice roared out across the hot, still air. Every face down there below turned up toward the balcony. Campbell saw Tradick start and speak to one of the guards. The guard went out, not too fast. Campbell swore under his breath, and his brain began to tick over again, swift and hard. Mara thundered on, a bronze titan in the sultry glare. His gorget, his yellow eyes, the bosses on his kilt held points of angry flame. You, Eiron Mok, a Martian, have you forgotten Kesh and Balakar and the wells of Tamboyna? Can you crawl to the Coalition like a Sindar for the sake of the bones they throw you? You, Tradik, you've sold us out. Since when have Lotniks been called to meddle in Romany's affairs?" Tredic's cold voice was quite steady. "'The Kralins are beyond reach, Mara. A revolt will get you nothing. Do you want blood on your hands?' "'My hand!' said Mara softly. His hook made a burning, vicious arc in the hot light. If there's blood on this the Coalition spilled it when their frontier marshal lopped my sword hand for raising it against him." The mob stirred and muttered. And Campbell said swiftly, "'Tradick's right, but there's still a chance if you want to take it.' Stellamore put a hand on Mara's arm. "'How?' Tradick was still pretending he hadn't seen Campbell, pretending there weren't men crawling through dark tunnels to trap him. "'It'll mean trouble. It may mean death or imprisonment. It's a million to one shot. You'd better give me up and forget it.' The point of Mara's hook pricked under his jaw. "'Speak quickly, little man. Okay, tell him to behave, then get me out of here fast.' Tradix's men knew their way around. A lot of gypsies, moreover, who weren't with Tradic, joined the hunt for the Lotnik. They didn't want trouble with the Space Guard. Campbell stumbled through a maze of dark and stifling passages, holding Stella's hand and thinking of the Space Guard ships sweeping closer. They were almost caught a dozen times trying to get across Romany to the Fitz Southern. The hunt seemed to be an outlet for the pent feelings of Romany. Campbell decided he would never go hunting again. But then, just above where his ship lay, they stepped into a trap. They were in the Saturnian Quarter, in the hulk devoted to refugees from Titan. There were coolers working here. There was snow on the barren rocks, glimmering in weird light like a dark rainbow. "'The caves,' said Stellamore, "'the Baraki.' There was an echoing clamor of voices all around them footsteps clattering over metal and icy rock. They ran, breathing hard. There were some low cliffs and a ledge, and then caves with queer blue-violet fires burning in them. Creatures sat at the cave mouths. They were small, vaguely anthropoid, dead, white, and unpleasantly rubbery. They were quite naked, and their single eyes were phosphorescent. Mara knelt. Little fathers, we ask shelter in the name of freedom." The shouts and the footsteps were closer. There was sweat on Campbell's forehead. One of the white things nodded slightly. "'No disturbance,' it whispered. "'We will have no disturbance of our thoughts. You may shelter to stop this ugly noise.' "'Thank you, little father.' Mara plunged into the cave, with the others on his heels. Campbell snarled. They'll come and take us. Stella's sullen lips smiled wolfishly. No, watch. The cave, the violet fire, was suddenly gone. There was a queer darkness, a small electric shiver across Campbell's skin. He started, and the girl whispered. Telekinesis. They've built a wall of force around us. On the outside it seems to be rock like the cave wall. Mara moved, the bosses on his kilt clinking slightly. "'When the swine are gone there's a trap in this hulk leading down to the pipe where your ship is. Now tell us your plan.' Campbell made a short, bitter laugh. "'Ha! Plan hell! It's a gamble on a fixed wheel, and you're fools if you play it.' "'And if we don't?' "'I am going anyway.' The Kralins, well, I owe them something. Tell us the plan. He did, in rapid, nervous sentences, crouched behind the shielding wall of thoughts from those alien brains. Mara laughed softly. (laughs) By the gods, little man, you should have been a Keshi. I can think of a lot of things I should have been, said Campbell dourly. Hey, there goes our wall. It hadn't been more than four minutes. Long enough for them to look and go away again. There might still be time before the space guard came. There was just. The getaway couldn't have been more perfectly timed. Campbell grinned, feeding power into his jets with exquisite skill. He didn't have a Chinaman's chance. He thought probably the gypsies had less than that of coming through. But the Kralins weren't going to rot in the slave pens of Lahi because of Roy Campbell. Not while Roy Campbell was alive to think about it. And that, of course, might not be long. He sent the Fitz Southern shooting toward the right side of Venus, in full view and still throttled down. The space guard ships, nine fast patrol boats, took out after him, giving Romany the go by. No use stopping there no mistaking that lean black ship, or whose hands were on the controls. Campbell stroked the firing keys, and the Fifth Southern purred under him like a cat. Just for a second he couldn't see clearly. "'I'm sorry, old girl,' he said, "'but that's how it has to be.' It was a beautiful chase. The guard-ships pulled every trick they knew, and they knew plenty. Campbell hunched over the keys, sweating, his dark face set in a grin that held no mirth. Only his hands moved with nervous, delicate speed. It was the ship that did it. They slapped tractors on her and she broke them. They tried to encircle her and she walked away from them. That slight edge of power, that narrow margin of speed, pulled Roy Campbell away from what looked like instant easy capture. He got into the shadow, and then the space guard began to get scared as well as angry. They stopped trying to capture him, they unlimbered their blasters, and went to work. Campbell was breathing hard now through his teeth. His dark skin was oiled with sweat, pulled tight over the bones and the ridges of muscles and the knotted veins. Deliberately he slowed a little. A boat flamed past the starboard ports. He slowed still more, and veered the slightest bit. The fifth southern was alive under his hands. He didn't speak when the next bolt struck her, not even to curse. He didn't know he was crying until he tasted the salt on his lips. He got up out of the pilot's seat, and then he said one word, "'Judas!' The follow-up of the first shot blasted the control panel. It knocked him back across the cockpit, seared and scorching from the fusing metal. He got up, somehow, and down the passage to the lock compartment. There was a lot of blood running down his cheek, but he didn't care. He could feel the ship dying under him. The timers were shot. She was running away in a crazy blind spiral, racking her plates apart. He climbed into his vac suit, it was a special one, black even to the helmet, with a super-powerful harness-rocket with a jet illegally baffled. He hoped his hands weren't too badly burned. The ship checked brutally, flinging him hard into the bulkhead. Tractors! He clawed toward the lock, an animal whimper in his throat. He hoped he wasn't going to be sick inside the helmet. The panel opened. Air blasted him out into jet-black space. The tiny, spearing flame of the harness rocket flickered briefly and died, unnoticed among the trailing fires of the derelict. Campbell lay quite still in the blackened suit. The space guard ships flared by, playing the Fitzsouthern like a tarpon on the lines of their tractor beams. Campbell closed his eyes and cursed them, slowly and without expression, until the tightness in his throat choked him off. He let them get a long way off, then he pressed the plunger of the rocket, heading down for the night-shrouded swamps of Tahara Province. End of Part Two